All right, who would rather die 10,000 deaths than raise their hand when I ask you the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha, all right. No, you know, I mean, you, you, you want to freak out, especially in a denominational church, you know how to freak out a pack of Lutherans, walk into one of their meetings and say, hey, would someone pray? You know, it's like, really, I don't have a book. And you get with this, like, our, our Father who art in heaven kind of thing going on. Because when you pray, you're vulnerable. You, you know, prayer is kind of one of those things that, that gives a window into the soul, doesn't it? You, you see a person's deepest desires, their deepest dreams, you see their deepest fears. You see their struggles laid out flat and raw. You see the things that they, they do a good job of masking every, every day, don't they? Don't we? And I think it's for that reason that sometimes I think prayer is actually the greatest cloaking device to ever be devised by man. You know this idea, we got any Trekkies in the room here today? Okay, you know, if you're thinking the Star Trek universe here, the cloaking device was this, this piece of technology where these ships could like hit a button and the whole ship would just like disappear. It would camouflage itself with like bending light and it would be right in front of your face but you couldn't see it. And, and I actually think that sometimes prayer often comes forward like a cloaking device. Someone says, let's pray. Or you want to pray with someone. And this, this mixture of emotions starts to well up about going, this is going to get real, but it might get too real that I got to kind of put something out there to shield it. And, and so it gets kind of cloaked in, in a certain way of praying, a style of praying, certain language that's safe, certain language that kind of deflects any kind of penetrating stare. You've been there. You know what I mean, right? I mean, let me give you some examples of this. Okay, how many times have you ever prayed a prayer that just kind of sounds like this? Lord, we, we just ask that you be with, with Sue, and we, we ask that you be with Mom. And Lord, we, we just ask that you, you, you help Steve, and, and God, would you just be, you know what I'm talking about here, right? And, uh, and there's two very key components to this prayer. There's the, the we just component. Because we just makes you sound humble. Did you know that? See, I'm not asking for great things, God. I'm just asking for this. Which has always been the greatest irony to me because then someone will go on for like 45 minutes listing out like 98 justs. That's not just. One thing is just. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but what does a uh, be with prayer actually mean? What, what, what's it doing? Do you know what a be with prayer is all about? God, I have no idea what to say. <laughs> I just know it's like there's that person you, them, make it happen. All right? But, 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 but whoever prays like that, whoever says, hey, would you pray for me? And you go, well, Lord, I don't know this person and I don't know what they're struggling with and I don't really care uh, because how oftentimes do we? But God, do your work, right? <laughs> a be with prayer is often just a mask, isn't it? I don't know what to say and I've got to fill time because honestly, if I ever just prayed like this, God, heal him. Amen. Well, suddenly I haven't invested myself properly. How could that be a good prayer, right? So we've got to string it out. Lord, just be with. And, and now I don't know what to say, so be with them again. That kind of prayer is a I don't know what to talk about prayer. You know what I mean? All right. Now, now how about this kind of prayer? You ever come across this one? 
It, it, it's the Let me give you an example, and you tell me what this prayer is doing, okay? God, we ask you to be with Sue Miller, who is a longtime member of Fellowship of Faith for nine years, who's in the hospital right now with cancer, and at NIMSI in room 203 and hoping for visitors. God, we pray that you come and heal her. Okay, you got enough, right? What is that kind of prayer? That's called the announcement prayer. <laughs> That's called, I am praying so everyone else in the room knows what's going on, and I am praying here to ask them for something, and depending on how well I can tweak it, the manipulation guilt factor starts to stretch. That is the announcement prayer, all right? We, we've all seen those. Now, there's a third way that I've, I've seen people pray, and it often happens on, shall we say, my side of the ordination spectrum, all right? And it is the, the lofty liturgical prayer, all right? Give you an example. Gracious God, you know all things. From the foundations of the world, you've created this world in the twinkling of an eye. As one who is all-knowing, sovereign, and omniscient, God, we pray that you bring wisdom to our people so that we may go forth right into this world proclaiming your goodness and light through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay? Do you know there's actually a technique to those kinds of prayers? I'll teach it to you in a moment. But do you know what those prayers are about? I gotta get up and do it and I'm not gonna get vulnerable. So make it sound good. Make it sound good and make it sound theological and make it sound like something is important happening here. Because to actually get up and bare my soul and go, God, I don't know what to do with these people and I don't know what to say today. Just help. You know, that just doesn't fly on Sunday morning, right? Uh, are, are you with me? Have you been there? Do you know they actually teach a technique for how to pray that way at the seminary? Uh, let me show you how it goes. Someone give me a topic here. Cars. All right. Cars. I'm going with this. All right. All right. Cars. You start, it's five parts. You start with introduction. Okay? And the introduction just can't be dear God because little kids say dear God. You can't sound like that. All right? So it has to be something like gracious heavenly father. Always two adverbs. Or, or always two adjectives. All right? You always need a minimum of two adjectives and then a title for God. All right? Gracious heavenly father. All-powerful Lord. Heavenly, sweet Jesus. Go with it. It works. All right? After that is what I call the butter-up. We have to butter up God. We have to say something amazing about him. We have to proclaim his glory in such a way that gets him kind of, oh, okay, when request time comes around. You think I'm making this up. I'm not. All right? So we're going to be praying about cars. What are we going to pray about with cars? You gave it to me. Uh, you want a new one? Yeah. All right. You want, a, you want a really good one? All right. Want a really good car. So it kind of comes out like this. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have created all things with splendor and glory and honor to bring glory unto yourself so that your riches may shine forth. See, you just flow with it, right? You got it? You see how it goes? And then you're set. It's like with your parents, right? You are set. And so, Lord, you make the request. We ask thee. Always say thee. It's a good move. 
we ask thee to send a $50,000 plus vehicle upon Mike. Now, you can't ask God that out of the chute, all right? Because it's like your parents, right? You go to your parents and ask for 50 bucks. What are you getting? No. But you go to your parents and go, man, you're just like awesome and I love you so much. Can I have 50 bucks? You know, your chances kind of incrementally increase. Are, are, are you with me? All right. And then, then you've got to give a reason why. Because God's just not going to give it to you in this spectrum. You've got to give a reason why. And it's got to be a good and pious reason. All right. It can't just be so like Mike looks awesome right? It's got to be something like, so your glory will reign to the ends of the earth and people will see that you are a God who answers prayer. And then it's salutation and you just kind of, kind of land the plane here with a string of things about who God is again, for you are holy and live and reign now and forever, one God, amen. And if you go Trinitarian, bam, you kick that sucker out of the park. <laughs> All right? That's how you do it. That's how you do it and that's how they teach it. But what is a prayer like that? It's a mask. It's a smokescreen. It's a way of dressing up and making something sound good that would otherwise come out maybe a little too vulnerable in showing the actual state of the soul. Prayer can be the most vulnerable thing there is. And because of that, it becomes the biggest smokescreen there is for so many people. But have you ever seen someone really pray? And you know what I mean by that? Have you ever been with someone where you kind of realize the guard has gone down and this has gotten real? There is nothing more sweet and more powerful and more raw than seeing an actual prayer of the heart. Because when you see someone really pray, what you see is what's dearest to them, what's most important to them. You see their soul, their wiring, their deepest desires, their deepest dreams, their deepest struggles, their deepest fears. You see them for who they are. They're naked, spiritually and emotionally just exposed, out there going, here I am. No, no wonder we don't like to pray in front of people so often, at least not in raw and visceral ways. Which I think can give us tremendous insight into Jesus. Because if we can look at how Jesus prayed, I think we get a window into his soul and what he desired and dreamed for, what he struggled with and feared. And if we're going to operate on the assumption here today that when Jesus prayed, he wasn't smoke screaming. Because when he came and did life on this world, he wasn't putting up all these barriers and sinful things that we do to kind of keep God's at arm bay. There's something powerful I think we can see about who he is in his relationship with you and me based simply at looking at how he prays. So uh, we're going to look at a prayer today. Okay? It's a, it's a longer one. But I think it's one of the most poignant and powerful ones. It's a prayer he prayed, honestly, moments before he was going to go out to Gethsemane, be arrested, suffer, and die. What do you pray for at those moments like that when the emotion is high? When, when stuff ceases to be theoretical. 
when, when, when there's no more playing around because life has just gotten way too real and there's just isn't enough time or energy to play games anymore. You know what I mean? I want you to look at this prayer with me. I'd like you to follow along. I'll open your Bible, please, to John chapter 17. Okay, this is a long extended prayer right at the end of like this whole like Lord's Supper, upper room kind of experience. I mean, Jesus has washed feet. They've shared the Passover meal together. He, he's told them about how he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's told them about how they shouldn't let their hearts be troubled. He's told them that, no, guys, it's good news that I'm going on. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's talked about denials. He's talked about roosters. It's all been there, all right? And now we're coming to John 17. Look closely at what Jesus prays for. And what I'd like you to do is a flag and tag here this morning, all right? You see something that strikes you, I want you to flag it, and we're going to come back around to that. It says, after Jesus said this, basically the whole Monday Thursday thing, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I would love to have heard the emotional content of how that prayer was offered up. He goes on. I revealed you to those whom you have given me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed my word. Now they know that everything you have given comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you've given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you have given me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. But I am coming to you now. And I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You have sent me into the world and I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. For they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I and the Father and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them that I myself may be in them. And it says, when he finished praying, he left and crossed the Kidron Valley. That'd be straight up. If we're going to talk about prayer, let's be vulnerable, all right? Whose mind wandered just a little bit in that? Wow, most of you are much more sanctified than I am. I wonder what it was like for Jesus saying that. Because, you know, we read it. Well, and it's in the Bible. We read it like it's in the Bible. But I get this sense that Jesus just kind of like opened up and let it loose. It's like it was just gushing. And when it starts gushing, it goes on and on and on and on. But it was his time that he was letting it all hang up. Have you ever had those moments when you pray? I don't know what you're facing, but when it really ratchets up, and emotionally it becomes real, and it just all starts pouring out. And you find yourself there with God, and you just start pouring it out, and it just keeps flowing and flowing. Have you been there? I get the sense this is what it was like for Jesus. Now, let's just kind of throw it back in your field here for a minute. What are certain things that struck you as you were listening to what Jesus prayed for that night he was going to go and die? Like, like topically, thematically, uh, just, just what he said, how he said it. What, what struck you? Just shout it out. The time has come. The time has come. There's a sense of impending. It's here. It's now. <clears throat> All right, what else? Pray for us today. Yeah. Protection from the evil one and praying for us today. Did you notice in there how much Jesus prayed for you? It's really fascinating in John 17. It's one of the only places in the Bible where Jesus specifically prays for you. And when I say you, I don't mean like believers in some general sense walking around with him in Palestine in 30 AD. I mean, he's like, Lord, and I'm praying for those who are yet to come, those who are yet to be born, those who are yet to believe, those who are yet to see me, those who are yet to meet me. I'm praying for you and for you and for you and for you. It dripped off every sentence, didn't it? God, I'm here to be obedient. I'm here to do your will. I want connection with you. And my deepest connection with you makes me say before your throne, I pray for these people who go to Fellowship of Faith. And I pray for their families. And I pray for their friends. I'm praying for the people they're going to meet. I'm going to pray for their loved ones. And I'm going to pray for the people at Holy Apostles. And the people at Christian Fellowship. And the people at the chapel. And the people at the Bible Alliance Church. I'm going to pray for them and for them and for them. That in Jesus' final moment, think about this. He prayed for you. Have you ever had someone pray for you? before and I don't mean like oh I'll go home and pray about that I mean like on the fly on the spot right there grab your hands put your hands on you and pray for you I tell you there are fewer experiences in this world more powerful 
And if you've never tasted that, you've got to get together quick with some other believers and start praying together with them. Because when those moments come that someone is willing to go beyond smokescreen and actually lay their hands on you and actually pray for you in a real and genuine way. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you guys, I, I've seen God work powerfully. I've seen God heal people. And I'm not talking some metaphorical nonsense here either. I mean, I, I've seen God do miracles and actually heal people through prayer. And I've seen God many times say no to that request for healing. And yet bring people together in such intimacy and strength that despite the fact that the prayer might not be answered in the way it is asked, God is there. And it was real. And something deeper and even more powerful than physical healing happened that day. I've seen God work in this. I, I, I've seen the most amazing things happen. How much more than when the God of the universe prays for you. I and mean, if that's what happens when your buddy lays hands on you and pray for you, how much more when Jesus Christ himself prays for you? Me? I'm going to Gethsemane? You know what I'm praying about? I don't know, but it probably ain't you. Get me out of this. Save me. Help it not to hurt so bad. Be with the people I'm going to leave behind. Me, 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 me. And that's okay. But Jesus prays for you. Each and every one of you right, there, right, right here. James says this. The prayer of a righteous man is a powerful and effective thing. If that's true of any one of us praying for each other, how much more when the Lord of the universe prays for you? And you want to wrap your mind around this. It's not that Jesus just prayed for you, but he continues to pray for you. Jesus actually still prays for you today. Does that just feel a little off and a little weird? You know, it's like, 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 like you're in heaven now. What, what does that mean? Let, let me read this to you out of Romans chapter 8. This is what Paul says. It's, it's, uh, you can turn there if you want, but you don't need to. It's verse 31. He writes, What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? The context is of all the suffering we face, of all the issues we face, of all the trials and all the things that we have to face that seem to be so much bigger and so much greater. If God is for us, Really, at the end of the day, what can any of these things do to me? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. If he'll give his own son for you, how will he not also along with him graciously give you all things? In other words, if you ask God and you come before God and you bear your heart to God and God will go so far as to give the life of his own son for you, doesn't it stand to reason that God will probably go to any length to give you just about anything else as well because nothing is quite going to match a giving of that level? If I'll give that much to you, my own son, come with me for anything. And he says this, 
who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Basically, no one. For Christ Jesus died and more than that was raised to life. And catch this, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Right now, as we speak, Jesus is at the right hand of God, praying for each of you. And to me, that strikes me as just something that, like, it's just, it's an incredibly powerful, what do you even say to that? That right now, Jesus is praying for each of you. But that's how Jesus thinks about you and how much he thinks about you. That's how important your life is to him. That's how important you are to him. That what he does and what he spends his time on is praying for each of you. I don't know what you're here facing today. Not all of you, anyway. I don't know, per se, what your deepest desires and dreams may be. And I don't know what your deepest struggles and fears are right now. I don't know, per se, what you might be smokescreening. But Jesus does. And he's praying for you. And he's praying hard. That strikes me as an, impre an incredibly good thing. And honestly, there's nothing more I can say about it than that. Because it's either enough or it isn't. And the chips fall from there. So let's pray. Dan's going to come up in a minute. You guys can come up now. It's all right. I'm not going to pray out loud and guide us and try to guess. And I'm not going to smoke screen. I'm just going to invite each of you to come silently to God right now. And get real with Him. And rest in the fact that He knows and that He cares. And his hands are on you, praying for you as you speak. Let's pray. Just before Jesus prayed for you, he took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And afterwards, he took a cup and he gave thanks to them. And he said, drink of them. Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant. It's shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Welcome to the table of the Lord.